Welcome back to The Deal. I'm Danny Brown. Hope you all had a happy, healthy holiday season and wishing you all all good things in the new year. This is season two of The Deal, episode one with my man Stryker from K-Rock. Just a dynamic, talented, wonderful guy. I've known him my whole life. We go back from the music business, from Little League baseball days. Uh, just got such good things to say. Really, really a consummate professional on radio and has been doing it for years and just from Love Lines to K-Rock to this new show audience he's doing on DirecTV and just on and on. So please tune in and subscribe uh, if you don't want to miss any episodes. Uh, if you can leave a comment for us, that would be very helpful. It helps our ratings. Uh, our ratings have been improving steadily. Our subscriber base has been improving. Our views is blowing up. So let's keep this up. Let's try to blow it up in 2020. And thank you for listening. We really, really appreciate your support. This is Danny Brown. Welcome back to The Deal. Season 2, Episode 1. I got my man Stryker here. Thank What's you for coming. What's up, DB? I walked in this office. I see how nice this is. I'm comfortable. You have your own sign. We got the a sign, view. Brand new sign for Season 2, just for you. You get a sign that means you've made it. I've so made it. you've made it. Throw in the towel now in life. Yeah, let's hope they don't drop and cut us after Season uh, 2, oh Episode 1. But I I've been trying not. to get Stryker on. Since the first episode, I thought, I got to get you on. But I'm, I got you the first episode of season two. That's almost as good as the first episode. I'm happy to have you. I'm happy to be here. I got to do a disclaimer. Stryker's a lifelong friend. Known him my whole life. Uh, we have a lot of history, sports, family, real estate, music, everything. Yeah. So I just want to have that disclaimer. But love you. One of the greatest guys I know. Thanks, Big DB. Heart. You I'm too. very proud of you and your career. Thank you, Dan. And now I'm counting on you to blow up this podcast. You got it. Because if you fail, <laughs> we're getting dropped. All the pressure's on you. Apple said, we're getting canceled. You're not going to get canceled. ratings. I don't think Apple cancels anything. Oh, we're good. good. We're thank good. God. I promise to bring in at least four people, though. Okay, that's good. That's yeah. doubling our audience. <laughs> and your dad and brother don't count. No, they do not. So let's get back to, uh, or let's start this with, hey, look, you've been in radio, you've been in entertainment your whole career, uh, but let's start with how you got into radio and what your first radio job looked like. What made you even think about doing this? Because I know growing up like us, you were, people may not know this, but an amazing athlete. Oh. And like many of our close friends, you probably could have pursued athletics through college and pro and all that, but you somehow got into this fucking crazy business of radio excuse it's, my french but it's a the- miracle thanks for the nice words about being an athlete db is really an awesome athlete oh, wow. i felt like i was all right in sports till about 14 then everyone just grew right past me but then at like 19 i grew again yeah, I, just, you I had, had a, a growth second, spurt i had a super late growth spurt if you had that growth spurt in high school woo, you would have oh, been unstoppable i could have gone state um <laughs> yeah, so for um, sure in you 1993 <laughs> 93, I was, I guess, a junior in college, but yes. I was not studying broadcasting or anything oh, so like that. so you weren't studying it? No, I never even thought about radio or broadcasting as a career. Um, but I think looking back, 
being in sports, as you mentioned, there's a competitive thing inside of me. And so no matter what career I think anyone does, if you want to go somewhat far in it, you need that little competitive thing inside and kind of play and work with a chip on your shoulder and all that kind of stuff. So I met a guy in Tucson that worked in radio, not the college radio. Oh, and the real I, radio the, station. The real radio. And I listened to his station and I just said, hey, can I come check out your radio station one day? His name is Bruce St. James. Great guy. Incredibly Bruce talented. St. Bruce St. James. Man, and, like, let me just check it out. Yeah. I'm interested in just hanging and seeing what you do. Just hanging. Yeah. He was the nicest guy. And I remember he was outside my apartment in Tucson. I lived at University Heights and some of the U of A basketball players live there. Got it. Um, and Bruce knew a couple of those guys. Ah. And so I just started talking to Bruce, who was the best. He said, come to the station. And then once I was there, I said, hey, is there any chance I can be on the radio? Just like that? Just like that. You had the balls? You wanted to do it? I, I guess I did. <laughs> Looking back, I'm like, what an idiot I am. Why would I want to do that? Yeah. Why would I put this guy in a position? Yeah. He couldn't just say no. He's like, sure, come back. I don't think he thought I would come back, but I came back. And once I got in the building and once I got on the air, I was kind of addicted to the whole. So I I love the business. I absolutely loved it. Every part of it. But I was horrible on the radio. Absolutely the worst thing anyone's ever heard. When you got on the air the first time, what what did did he tell you to say this or say that? Or he he just said hello? He said, how we talk when we're hanging out, try to talk like that on the radio. Okay. But he didn't tell me that I also had to run the, my own board and grab all the commercials from the rack while trying to talk and hearing myself in headphones for the Got first it. time and introducing music. So it, there's a lot of things happening at once. Yeah. It's not I, as easy as it looked. It, no. <laughs> and again, it was just, I was just awful. But just to get the opportunity... I just, I'm so lucky to have got that opportunity. And then. So they threw you into the fire? Like, here you go? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Sink or swim? Sink or swim. Here you go. And the first time I was on was with him in the afternoon around 3 p.m. And then the first time alone, I was on from 12 to 6 in the morning. And I was a so called, not a so called, I was a college student. I wasn't wow, doing you're great in, in school. I wasn't, co- I was in college. So during the day, I was going to classes. Yeah. And then doing some of these overnight shifts. And were like your friends at school knowing you were doing it? Were they all tuning in going, oh my God, that's our buddy on the radio? Yeah, but they were like, why are you doing this? You're the worst radio host oh, we've ever heard in our entire life. Why are you of all people allowed to do this? Yeah, got it. Um, They're like, thank God it's the middle of the night. No one's listening. Exactly. <laughs> so really, it was you were stumbling, mumbling, learning the trade. and Right. So you weren't a natural. No, but at the same time, I mean, I've worked at, 31 flavors. I oh, worked yeah. at the Four Seasons. Hook me up with some Rocky Road. Right. I remember getting an extra scoop. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But who isn't, who, everyone's terrible at their jobs in any field the first four to six weeks. I was terrible for many years in a row on the radio. <laughs> I still don't think I know what I'm doing. But uh, that's how I got my start in Tucson, Arizona while going to U of A. Oh, my God. And how long did that gig last in Tucson? So, 
the Tucson gig, I worked at uh, three different radio stations in Tucson. The first one was like a top 40 hip-hop leaning radio station. Yep. And this is 1993. So Woo. this is the introduction of Snoop Dogg. Oh, no one ever heard of chronic Snoop. Snoop. This Dogg, is like Dr. Warren Drake. G's Regulate. This is when oh, boys yes. to men were at their height. Oh, this is this when is there the were heyday rappers of like hip-hop. Too Short to Hate, A Tribe Called Quest, West, Diggable yeah, Planets. Marauders. Yes. The introduction of Coolio. Das Effects. Oh. Exactly. Oh, Diggable planet right go. bone thugs in harmony oh, bone it Don't was get me um, started then cypress hill exactly shout out to cypress hill here yeah, right? b rails the best oh legendary yeah that's so, so what I a time am, it was what an time. incredible time but that station i was on which was an am radio station AM. but we were killing it in ratings so it was a popular station a very 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 popular station d it yeah. was and again, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't understand the business. I just knew I'd go at this time and work on the air, but I also did three or four other jobs at the station at the ah, same time. I drove the van, I set up the uh, I set up the broadcast from different locations, hung banners, you name it, you did I did it. All. it. So you wore a lot of hats. You, yes. So you sort of learned the business bottom up. A hundred percent. Yes. Damn, and you were young. Now I were you young. now there finishing, you finished school and stayed there working in radio. Right, now I finished school again, once I was in radio, school kind of took a back seat, but I did finish. It took quite a few years. It wasn't four years or five yeah. years. You weren't on the dean's list? I was not on the <laughs> dean's list. The only list, like, yeah. yeah. Um, Wait, is this before you had the job at the pool at the Four Seasons or after? So, because that 93, was the best. How did you have these good jobs? Free ice cream. <laughs> then you had the job at the pool with all the hot milfs walking around. And now you're working in radio and you don't even know radio. What was right. going on? The Four Seasons. No wonder you quit gig, sports early. Right. <laughs> The Four Seasons gig, though, so I started in radio, and then I decided I wanted to stop everything and come back to L.A. and see Got if it. I could get anything going here. Got it. So got you, a job at the Four Seasons, worked there six, seven months, and then went back to Tucson and got the radio gig back. Got it. Got it. So that was just a little detour. That was a small detour, and I realized, okay, working at this job, setting out towels, putting out baked goods for these people. This is fun. This is hard work, but I got to get back to the radio station. Like, and, but I'll, I was very, very fortunate that I even had the opportunity to, to go to Tucson to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so how many years, or let's say, what was the year that you ended up getting to LA and what brought you to LA? Was it that you were killing it in smaller market Tucson and LA said, Hey, we see this talent. Is it like anything else? Let's recruit the talent to a bigger market. And that's what happened or that is what happened. And I was like doing blown away or a hundred percent. I was doing the morning show in Tucson and I was by myself. It was a solo morning show. There was no producer. I had no phone screener. I had no partner on the air. I did everything. What were the hours of that? Uh, 5.30 AM to 10. 5.30 AM? Yeah. And it was just me doing, as people know, a morning show was a ton of talk. I played some songs, interviews, but I organized it all. So you did it all. I did it all. You were producing your own show. I was. So I you also, learned everything. I was also the music director of the radio station. Got it. So I was in charge, along with the program director, of what songs got selected and when they were played, how many times a week. Well, what an experience that is. Great experience. I mean, think about that. So this is, you're young, you're beginning your career, and you're doing everything. Doing everything. That you can do in that job. And I mean, looking that's back, very impressive. thanks, man. Looking back, I asked myself, why would they allow me to have this yeah, job? How do they let they, this they own this fool company, of this radio, and we're letting this guy do these things? Like, what idiots they are. But I'm so appreciative that I got that opportunity. But how I got to K Rock, Danny, I was doing the morning show, and somebody from K Rock, 
who his name's Dell Williams. Yeah. He did something. He didn't work for K Rock directly, but he heard me and told Kevin Weatherly, Ooh, yeah. who runs K Rock. Uh, yep. Kevin you Weatherly. gotta hear this guy. He sounds like LA. He sounds like K Rock. One day I got a voicemail from Kevin Weatherly saying, Hey, this is Kevin Weatherly. I uh, wanna talk to you. Right. Sent him my tape. You believe it was him or you're like, Oh, oh yeah, that, I believe it was him. Larry Israel's leaving me uh, no. a crank call. I knew <laughs> I knew it was him and I sent him my stuff. He flew me out a week later, and then two weeks later, oh, wow. I was on K-Rock, and the first time I was on was not even like Tucson. He put me on at 6 p.m. on a Friday afternoon. And you'd never been on K-Rock? Never. And what, it just like, did you have, when they put you on a slot like that, is it like, here's our, here's the summary of what you need to do? Like, what do they tell you when you're, what's the playbook for someone like you that's going on radio, and it's your first day, it's a new station, I don't know if it was a new genre of music at that point, from, but whatever the case, it's a new job. So is there like a, here's the manual to be a radio host? Like, what the hell do they do? To you? How do you prepare? Right, well, I was coming from the alternative rock format after so my initial already, stint in radio. I think I only did two years in that first format. So you I were doing about. the music already. I, yeah, I was, then, I was like Rob Zombie, Corn, yeah. Rage Against the Machine, yeah. Green Day, Blink, Nirvana, yeah, yeah, Pearl yeah. Jam, Alice in Chains. That was the music I was into. Yeah, so, so I was, was an easy... stepping into that same format here at K-Rock. Got it. And... The playbook was relax, be yourself. Here's the things that we're talking about this weekend. We're giving away tickets to see Marilyn Manson and Hole and take calls and have fun. Have and I want to hear you. And that's that's what I did. Were you shaking nervous or was it like you did enough hours up to that? You put in your time and you were able to just kind of be calm and just do it and, and flow. I had waves of both. Waves of both. Because... The studio at the time at K-Rock was on the ninth floor of a building in Burbank looking over the 134 freeway. And there were more people on that freeway when I went on than that listened to me in Tucson in a full four-hour stretch. Wow. And that last station in Tucson, it was on a dirt road. Dirt road. Now I'm on the ninth floor on K-Rock looking out, bumper-to-bumper traffic, people listening. Yeah. And... One thing that I'm glad I didn't realize at the time, but every time you talk on the microphone, anytime you put up a YouTube interview or a lucky to be on TV, you're being judged every second, every right. second. But right. at the time, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I was like, I'm just doing my thing. And yeah, here yeah. it is. I, I guess I don't care. And was it immediate that they knew that immediately you were a fit, immediately you had the right personality and understanding of the, the, the audience? I mean... Knowing you, yeah, that's a no-brainer, but they didn't know you. I mean, the, Kevin Weatherly didn't really know you. He had some of your work, but how, how long did it take were they, before they were like, oh, yeah, Striker is our guy for K-Rock. We need this guy to be hmm. the face of the brand, so I, to speak. Well, I don't know if they've ever said that, but I felt real comfortable probably three months in. A couple months. Okay. Yeah, but I went in often to go over every show that I did do it this way. This sounds better if you do it this way. They weren't changing or telling me how to be a personality or change who I was, but just think about this as a broadcaster. Go this way. And I'll never forget the harshest they ever were. No one had ever heard a Coldplay. And they came in on the afternoon show with me. You might have played me that tape in your car before anyone heard of Coldplay. Yeah. And it was one of many. You played me lots of stuff in your car of like, Listen to this. Lincoln no one's Park, ever heard of System it. of a yeah, Down, Jack a Johnson. Them. A lot of them. And yeah. this is like, I don't even know if they were signed yet. It was like this band people are looking into. 
I mean, that was an awesome experience. That I was, was just when I was my music days and you yeah. were getting stuff and I was looking at stuff. That was a really cool time. It was fun. Yeah. But Coldplay came in the studio and I I was just terrible. Why? I what happened? They were on one level and I was on a totally different level and I should have adjusted to their level. But again, I, so green in the business. Got it. The, I don't. I did some interviews in Tucson, but never were this band who was on the cusp of exploding. Where some people knew who they were, of course, yeah. but it was not good. And my boss called me, and he's like, "That stunk." Oh God, that was not good. And yet, was that the worst feeling? It's it a like, bad feeling. I mean, it's uh, never a good feeling when you're told you stink. Yeah. Um, or, but I learned from that, and I still take that advice to this day. Whether I'm doing band interviews or on TV or on radio, or if they're just going up on YouTube. So you're working on your craft, you're studying the game, you're you're constant, consummate professional. And that's an interesting thread with people that we have on our show, with successful people in every business. That is a common thread to mm. really be a professional, study, learn from your mistakes, be self-aware. And that's what I'm hearing you say. And it's also a lot of grind and hustle at the end of the day. It is. It's a lot of work. It's got to be exhausting hours, early, late and everything in between. You got early shows and you got late shows. I right. mean, that's. That's absolutely nuts. So, it definitely is a grind. And that thing I mentioned earlier about you get judged every second and people can write to you how terrible oh. you are, how great you are instantly on Instagram, on Twitter. On All the, day. On YouTube. So you're getting... I have some videos that have like a million views or more. And every so often I'll punish myself and read the comments. Oh, and it just and hurts. Like, this guy's got a misshaped head. His 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 cheekbone has distracted me his pants are too tight what horrible <laughs> shoes this guy has i mean it's, it has nothing so to do with the interview so it's just a siege on your self-esteem and confidence yeah <laughs> pride swallowing siege but there's also some really nice things but one of the things that you just hinted on it's kind of how i live and i don't think i was trained this way i think it's just how i tick i never think i've got the career down i always think someone is behind me and is gonna be way better than me, or I think the company is gonna tap me on the shoulder and say, thanks for being here, it's time for you to go. Yeah. And I work uh -huh. like that, or at least attempt to, every single day. Yeah, well that's another very common thread with successful people in every business. You're always trying to get better, you're never satisfied, you're never complacent, you're always looking to improve. It's like the Mamba mentality with Kobe Bryant, but right. apply it to business. Yes. Uh, very common, so K-Rock, so you're at K-Rock, you're blowing up, so to speak. You've been there now. I, I don't want to get into all the details. There's so many things that we'll get into stories, but you've been there 10, 15 years or so, but you've also done a lot of other stuff besides K-Rock, a lot of TV. Yeah. I've been there over 20 years at K-Rock. Has it been over 20 yeah. years? <laughs> it's like 21 years. I'm that old? When I started, I had a lot more hair. I, uh, yeah, a I don't like facial hair. Yeah, exactly. I definitely had more hair when you started, <laughs> and I was a little leaner, a lot faster. <laughs> So what? tell us a little bit about the other stuff. I know you've had this TV, the audience, uh, uh, direct TV, but you've done a lot of TV, not just that. But can you speak to sort of that side of your career, like getting Definitely. in front of the camera, not just? For sure. So um, I had never done one bit of TV in my life ever. And in 99 or 2000, MTV called the station and they said, hey, we heard you on the radio. They We'd just call you meeting. Up. Yeah, they just called. No, no agent, no nothing. Just some executive at one. Yeah. So I went in and next thing you know, I was doing a TV show called Who Knows the Band. I oh, think yes. we did yes, 60 it. episodes of Who that. Who Knows the Band. 
And that was the first TV show. Yeah. Oh, what that was in the nineties. That was I th- early two thousand. I think it started early two thousand. I remember that. Who knows? <laughs> And all that stuff was just kind of icing on the cake. And even though I was so fortunate to get these TV opportunities, my focus was on radio so yeah. much. And Carson Daly, yes. who we all know, who's from Southern California, he yeah. was on K-Rock. He was a K-Rock. I he, he was a K-Rock. Same time. And right? he got an MTV gig, but he decided to leave K-Rock to focus do TV full time. Yeah. And yeah. so when K-Rock brought me in, one of the things they said was, and I totally get it, look, you're a radio guy. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yes, I am. And nothing was going to sway me from leaving the radio station. So there are a lot of opportunities that came along that I didn't do, but some that came along that I did. But MTV, VH1, yeah. Spike TV. I was on the Ellen DeGeneres show for 100. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's I did right. like 130 episodes that of great. that show. Maybe. That was fun because that was a whole different type of thing for you. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. And I know there's some big things that you've passed on some big TV gigs <laughs> that you pass on that could have changed things, but yeah. that's part of it, right? So you were Definitely. passionate about radio and that's yes. where, and you were also, I remember talking about who you were as a, your passion in music and your authentic, your authentic love of alternative and up and coming and discovering bands. And I love that. a lot of the TV stuff, some of the big stuff that came your way was very pop mainstream. And you just felt it didn't, it didn't fit right with your with your compass of really where you were going and what you believed in. That's exactly and, and right. And you were like, Dang I remember it. that. You gave up some big money gigs yeah. to say, you know what, this isn't me. And some other guys made some big money off it. Which but, is fine. Yeah, but um, that wasn't again, you. That you were, true to yourself. Yeah, and times were a lot different than now. The word mystique, no one cares about mystique. Yes. Because you can look up anybody, instantly see their Instagram, Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can see their pictures everywhere the online. doesn't changed. matter who you are. Now that word mystique... Doesn't matter. Mystique, right. It doesn't. And but I was, it did then. It did. And I was it beyond protective of of you. My own your mystique. Essence Not that I'm were. some crazy, mysterious person. But your I'm brand. Fairly, yeah. It was your brand. It was you because your brand is you. It's your passion and what you loved and your music and your culture and your the kids and following. I don't want to say kids because we were over the, we were that age, too. Right. But a lot of people in their 20s, 30s and 40s. But anyway, that was really interesting and commendable. That something tells a lot about you. Thank you. Following your path and not being swayed. And look at you now. Now you're 20 years at K-Rock. And now I'm just an old man in a so, radio booth talking to people. Man, there. there is so many stories that I have. Some of the most fun times I've had with you. In fact, in our single days, I, if there was one guy that would always be down to go anywhere, Vegas, Mexico, that would be the call. <laughs> that would be the call. Oh, Barry? Barry, no. You? No. <laughs> <laughs> Barry Levine, too, was in. Barry was flying in. For, if we're going somewhere, Barry's in. But you were in. But we did some fun stuff. And I want you to tell me, talk, remember what you remember about um, you inviting me to uh, go to the Caribbean at That's the Atlantis right. with Incubus. That was really fun. But nobody, MGD. The MGD. Blind Data was called. It was <laughs> a great idea they did. They would take a huge band and fly a bunch of people to a pretty cool location. They wouldn't tell the winners who the band was till the curtain came down. Yeah, so they'd fly people out. This was at the Atlantis Resort in, in the uh, Bahamas. Bahamas. Right. So my plus so like, one was Danny right there. You want to come yeah. along? I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> Jump on the plane with Incubus. We're going. And we're going. But no one knew that they were the there. Incubus was there. And yeah. we were staying at the Atlantis, this incredibly nice resort. Yeah. 
They put Incubus in the in a horrible hotel yeah. right down the street Hiding. Right, Hiding. with a pool that was so dirty. It was like the Karate Kid pool when they first moved to Southern California. <laughs> and he sees how dirty it is. That was the Incubus pool. Yeah. While we're going water slides through shark tanks. Yeah. We're living large. That. Yes. We're living large. I remember we were in the casino. They had to, they wanted to come to the casino. We had to hide them off to the side. We're playing blackjack with that was Brandon so and Mikey. And, uh, how lucky were we that we got to do how that, How lucky man. was I that you let me tag along? And I can't think of like the dozens and dozens of shows, uh, local shows, far shows. I, I even remember um, vividly the early Coachella shows. And Coachella was such a different animal in the early years. Coachella. And I remember being at those shows with some of the headliners and Radiohead or Oasis. Yeah, or I remember Coldplay. year one was, what was year one's right? Radiohead. Yeah. Oh, oh, hold on. I don't want to say Radiohead. I know it was I know Rage Early Against the Machine and Rage. Weezer were there at year yes. one, and nobody was there. No one was there. I we was were there. No one was there. on the stage <laughs> yeah. for Rage Against the Machine. Just, yeah. just standing there. Yeah, I remember being right there in front, and it was a different thing. It was all this open space and not a lot of people, and it was for a couple of years, it kind of slowly years, For five grew. years, I had to give a 10-minute monologue on what Coachella was to people. I'm going yeah. to Coachella to work. What's Coachella? Yeah. There's Empire Polo Fields. If you go yeah. about 40 minutes past Palm Springs, there's stages and tents and all these great yeah. bands. And one year I remember when Coachella was still trying to introduce what Coachella what? was, I had a stack of tickets this big. You couldn't get rid of them. Couldn't get rid of them. Now you are lucky to get one ticket yeah. to Coachella. It sells out before they even say who the lineup yeah. is. And I remember those first few years, it was epic. And that was really where it was like, okay, this is the time where we're – Music and culture, it's a different thing now. It's everything at once. It was, and it was, it, now it's normal that all these genres are all blending and mixed together. But at the time, right. it was like, wow, you got Jay Z and you got Limp Biscuit and you got Rage and you got Weezy and you right, got you a have reggae a, you band. Have Prodigy in this tent. And yeah. the Nine Inch Nails are here. And then maybe like a Tears for Fear style band over here. Right. But bringing all those people together out there in the desert, what a smart move by them. Yeah. And uh, I'm getting Al Hagen on the fun. podcast, by the way. Who, uh, you know, oh, are you? you know, the Hagen, oh, excellent. The Empire nice. I, I'd yeah. love to get him on. He hasn't committed, but he's going to do it. Nice. <laughs> but yeah, that, that I like to call that the Coachella effect because it's impacted so much of culture after that. I was uh, Josh Levine, uh, who's coming on an episode soon. He was talking about that with me. He was very involved with that. So Coachella was unbelievable. All the K-Rock acoustic Christmases, Weenie wrote. There's been so much stuff through the years. Depeche Mode at the Troubadour, <laughs> Stone Temple Pilots at the Roxy. Stone Temple Pilots. Nine Inch Nails at the Troubadour. Yeah. Um, just you two at the Roxy. Yeah, for those that haven't been to these clubs or don't know that these clubs, they hold like 200 people. Right. You're and they're historic close. clubs. Yeah. Then where... You're this close and you're seeing some of the biggest bands in the world in these tight knit clubs. There's, right. there's no experience better than, than seeing not. those. Like we were joking about the dragonfly and the Viper room and like on any given night back in the day, someone bit chili pepper show up, you know, right. like, I don't know if it was, if we even had, it wasn't text. I don't know how people found out about it, but we would just call. We would call. I guess on the guess what? Jane's Addiction is going to be doing this at this and place. They go know, on at nine thirty. Three hundred kids are lined up around yeah. at the Viper Room, and it's it's on. So, any fun stories you want to share? I know there's crazy stories all over. What you can share, you can get into any little any funny anecdotes or stories with bands or things you've done. I know you've kind of seen it all, but yeah. Well, 
I'll tell you a good screw up I had. Yeah, I'd love it. It was the- 1999 Rage Against the Machine, who are now back together playing Coachella this year, by the way. Oh, Rage are playing God. Coachella this year. Yeah, they are back together. Rage. Uh, my, my Chemical Romance is back together now, also. Nice. Um, that was Craig's back. Craig Aronson, rest in peace, my guy. Yeah. That I worked with for years. Yeah. What a great guy. Um, so the Rage so is Ra- back. Yeah, Rage is back, but it was 1999 in their album, which I think is their best album, The Battle of Los Angeles. Oh, Battle of LA. Just it was came epic. out. Epic. And they were doing a show at the El Rey on Wilshire Boulevard. And my job was to go there and record an interview, not on video, just audio, with Tom Morello. Oh, and then that interview was going to be put on like 50 or 60 radio stations. So the engineers give me the equipment. I go to the El Rey, and again, 99 is my first year in L.A. Nobody knows me for the man in the moon. Yeah. I am so nervous for this interview. I do the interview, and while it's going, I'm saying to myself, man, you're real good right now. You are doing so good in this you're interview. You're patting yourself Inside, back. I am. I'm like, wow, Tom Morello and I are vibing. Yeah, we got raging against the machine. Interview ends 20 minutes. My boss is going to be so proud. I forgot to hit record. What? No. <gasps> no! I forgot to hit record. So I'm panicking. Oh. My face is red. Tom Morello's gone. He's God. preparing because their show starts in two hours. Oh, God. And he went home because he had two hours. Oh, they had God. done sound check. You're like, wait, Tom, that was a take. Uh, that was the rehearsal. Can you come do the real? <laughs> I had to call my boss, Kevin Weatherly, and tell him what, what happened. Say? I said, I just did the interview and I didn't press record. And all these stations are depending oh, on this interview. Oh my God. So he Are you called, thinking you're fired on the spot? Like done? I'm thinking I'm either getting fired or all the great stock that I had with the company in terms of my performance Up and the first that few moment moments might save going your ass. right down the toilet now. I'm done. They're going to hate me. Yeah. Listen to what a guy Tom Morello is. What a great guy. My bosses call their management. They call Tom. Tom says, if you can get to my house in 40 minutes, bring the equipment, press record, we'll do it again. Amazing. What a good guy. So good. But when I went to his house, they sent three engineers with me. <laughs> so one of three are hitting the button. One of three is going to make sure that <laughs> they hit the freaking thing is recording. So we did the interview again. It was not nearly as good, but Tom Morello what is a just, match. what What a guy. I see him at soccer sometimes with the kids. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's an unreal story because he didn't know you. You had no relationship, nothing. No relationship like, at all. He didn't owe you anything. Nope. He already put in his time. I mean, Pac-12 school right here. Not press and record. Tom Morello, Harvard. 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 I just, gosh, so, I was just so excited to do the interview. I just didn't do the engineer part you gotta, of it. You got to send him a, a turkey every Thanksgiving for saving your career. I thank him all the time. Yeah. I thank him all the time. What and, does that say about him in a world of divas and people that are entitled and not interested in anyone but themselves? And that's right. He goes out of his way for a young kid who's starting in the business. Right. Exactly. So. And what I have found over the years, a lot of the most talented people in the business who are doing well are also the most selfless and do not feel entitled. Like Tom. And like Tom. And that's why their career continues to go. And you have to have the talent. You have to be uber talented. But that combination of those three things, you are set. Well, that's can. interesting in terms of success at a superstar level. Who do you feel that way about or besides Tom? Who are some of these people that you feel like, hey, they're just have been such good people? Yeah. Um, 
I would that's say. really a hard thing with, to be at that level of success with everyone kissing your ass and the world, you know, you get so, even if you are a grounded person, you get so whacked out by the constant attention and fame and money and right. all the things that come at you. But so to stay a centered, giving, soulful, spiritual, you know, nice person. I right. I mean, I, I'll give the credit to Mike Shinoda yeah. from Lincoln Park, Mark Hoppus and Travis Barker. Yeah. Good um, dudes. Be Real from Cypress Hill. Yeah. Legend. Um, did I say the guys from No Doubt? No Doubt. No. Tony, Tom, and Adrian. I don't oh, know. I just Gwen thought as of well. a show you took me to with No Doubt. Oh my yeah. God. A few of those. <laughs> I mean, these people, they have done so much and accomplished so much. And they're still like, what can we do? How can we make this good? When are you available? And if we say, oh, we're going to start at 12, they're there at 1140. So they're just responsible, considerate. Very, yes. Another really interesting lesson for those that are. Uh, you know, coming up in business and entertainment or any business, but that's just an important quality to have. And I think another great lesson, sorry, because you're talking about these things and it's triggering the way it's I important. think. This is, is what the deal's about here, trying to pass on knowledge and lessons for people coming up and people in business. Right. And, you know, it's you never thing. know who's listening or who's watching. I was in Tucson on a dirt road. If I stunk that morning on the radio, this person would be like, oh, there's just another person trying to do radio. Yeah. I, I just feel lucky and again i am so far from being even close to perfect in things in my life but i attempt to really give it my all yeah. because again you never know who's watching and listening Love and it. i am not clinically depressed but get depressed if i do a bad job like the whole night i'm rolling around well, and like, i can't believe i just dropped the ball i was 21 pilots interview how did i mess this yeah so yeah well that's the fire inside but that's what a quality that is to just every day you start from zero and you give it 100 percent, and every day grind it grind grind because you don't know who's watching you don't know who's judging and if you want to be a champion you have to be on every day doesn't matter if you feel sick doesn't matter if you're tired doesn't matter if your girlfriend got mad at you if your mom's punished like you got to step in every day right. and go all out if you expect to compete at the highest level that's and there's what it a takes. lot of competition and there everyone is everyone thinks they can do it and that's great whether it's acting comedy real estate radio host Anything. anyone can do Anything's it competitive. Yeah. so everyone is always trying to do better than you yeah and i don't want them to even though i know the reality is of course a lot of people are funnier and better looking and better at their job nobody's and, better looking than you that, but I, at least i try my best at it <laughs> So that's great. I mean, if there's any other stories, feel free to pop in. But I want to also ask you about your new setup. You have a new partner at K-Rock. Yes, I do. Striker and Klein. Striker and Klein I'd in the afternoon. I'd love to hear how that came about. And it seems like it's doing well. It just took off and you guys do well together. Thank so talk you. a little bit about how that came about and what's so going on with that. In my career of radio, I've had, this is my third partner I've ever had. The first one was a guy named Joseph Blair, who was a... U of A basketball player. Oh, really? And he wanted to be in broadcasting. This is in Arizona. In Arizona. Yeah. My first radio gig. It's still at that first station. We become partners. Yeah. Joseph Blair then went on to be a Harlem Globetrotter. Wow. And now he is an assistant coach, if you watch the NBA, for the 76ers. That's right. That's right. He's it got is, an NBA job. He's got a real NBA job. Incredible. Last year, he coached a G League team, and they won it all. They won it all? They won it all. So... Um, so he's in it. He's a real, he's a serious coach. He's, he's in a it. real he's a, serious coach. That's amazing. And then my second partner ever was Dr. Drew for course, Love Lines. That and was, that was great, totally great training ground. I totally forgot about that. You were in Love Lines for years. Yeah. 
that was incredible training ground to have a partner, juggle calls, have guests, try to keep everyone involved. So the reason why I have a partner now, yeah, I was feeling stale, solo on the air. Yeah. Um, the Kevin and Bean show in the morning, um, I was lucky enough to fill in for Bean when he was off for four weeks. Yeah. And that just got my lit brain going and lit me up. And like, I got to do more. I need someone in here. You need the stimulation. Um, and Yeah, exactly. And I got, I want to try to get better and have this partner. So we brought in Klein, who is a 100% professional guy. He really drives me. I think I drive him. He's the yin to my yang. He's That's pessimistic. Awesome. I'm optimistic. He's an idea machine. We go in. We create stuff every day. And it feels like. There's a little something happening with it. Yeah. But I, I earlier I was talking about awful I was in the first radio gig. You should have heard us in the beginning of this thing. It was not good. Stumbling and mumbling all over each other? Yeah, and just bad ideas. And we were throwing so many things at the wall and nothing was really sticking. Got it. And it, it is that you want to talk about something that's really tough. There, of course, there's tough things like, but professionally tough. Going home day after day after day and know you did terrible. So you can feel the rejection and the failure. Yes. You're like we came up with these, we created this and it flopped. And I, he's talking over me and I'm talking over him yeah. and I'm bringing this energy and he's at this energy. And I'm used to doing interviews solo and I have my own style. Now yeah, yeah. he's coming in with this, His style. but now it's like. So you guys have melded together. Oh, yeah. And how long did that take in your eyes? It's still, it's you're still, still happening. It's still happening. It's still happening. And what was his background? Where, what's, did he come from radio? He or did a morning show in San Francisco. Okay. Um, he also worked uh, at K-Rock in New York. He is a real broadcaster and he is a guy that loves the science of radio probably more than me. Wow. And so um, he's a student of the game. He is a student of the game. Got to get him in here to yeah. hear, get his take. Yeah. So you're enjoying that. It's I am really, it is a challenge. New life. Yes, exactly. And, and you guys are coming up with creative stuff. So what is your schedule with now with him? What is your, when are you on? Tell we are on the, three to 7 PM. Every, Monday we, through Friday. Yep. We get there about 1230. So is that called drive time? Drive time on K-Rock. <laughs> three to seven, Monday three through Friday. Seven. We get there really early and we just go through so many different stories that are out there in the world. We don't do politics. This is the escape from politics. Yeah, we yeah. don't even don't... mention Trump's name. We don't mention the impeachment. Yeah. And it, actually, we were doing a segment like non-impeachment news and it was yeah, just yeah. some stupid story. Just to get off of that. Yeah. Um, so you go in there a couple, like you go in early and you brainstorm we, for we the day? We brainstorm. We map out the show. At so you don't know... When you wake up in the morning and head up to K-Rock, the show isn't mapped out. It you is guys not mapped have out. have to create it. We have to create it. And we could do what I consider to be an awesome show. <laughs> but who cares? Because you got to go the next day and do it again. Yeah. And it is. it can be really frustrating. It is exhausting. Day after day after day. And execute it how you want. Because yeah. here's the giant bullet point. Here's the topic. Executing it. Is different. Is different than the here's idea. the topic. Yeah. Here's the topic, and we really pull back the curtain on our lives. We talk about our wives. We talk about our life. We talk about our troubles. How is Katie? I love her. Everything's great. Beautiful Everything's wife. Everything's great. Thanks. Knock on yes, wood. Yes. So, Hi Jessica, my beautiful wife. Hello Jessica. Hi, Hi Jessica. Katie, his beautiful oh, wife. Get her on. <laughs> She's fun. So my God. So are you able to sleep at night knowing that you got to get up and yeah, come up definitely. with a, a four-hour show every right. day? Yes, I, mean, I other am. Other days you're like. I, I got nothing. I got nothing. How many ideas can you come up with every day? That's exactly right. Because there's always stories out there. But not every story is going to connect with you. 
because the point is, here's the story. How can I relate to this? How can I give my own personal take? How does this relate to me? How can I make it fun, funny, entertaining, informative, right. all in one, like fill the, fill all those buckets. Yeah. And sometimes I got nothing, yeah. absolutely nothing. <laughs> and you're just dying. You're like, dying. I got nothing here. I got to come up with something. Right. You're squeezing it's like, a rock for blood. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what do we do? We have four hours to fill. It's just like playing sports. Yeah. Especially like a baseball up, season. You, you have 162 games. You go over for training. Four. Yeah. Luckily, there's a game the next day. Yeah. You, you can do better. Yeah. So that's wild. So you look at it as, hey, what's the, what are current events, stories that are out there? That's Current your starting point. Dumb stories, not dumb news, but just stories like relationship but stories. Whatever story, These, you're looking at right. everything. And we call that our jumping off point. So yeah. we'll use only one sentence from a story, story and then that got our brain going. And then the 99% of the rest of the of what we do on the air is from us. Yeah, that's a lot of work. Tell me to, to rewind back because it's so impressive. Loveline, one of the biggest radio shows ever, one of the most influential, important really got talking about mental health in a mainstream way way before even now it's just starting to become a normal thing more popular but this was years ago kevin uh excuse me uh he was dr drew yeah. was talking about this so tell me about your experience there and how, how many years were you on how many i shows? did it three and a half years Oof. five days a week that was such a great learning experience because it wasn't music <laughs> it wasn't music it was all talk but uh again it's you're kind of the captain of the show as the host, even though Drew is the voice of the show. Mm -hmm. So for me to work in Blink-182 as guests, the caller who may have a real serious, serious issue, because not every call is like, I got bitten my privates by a raccoon. No, it's, like, it's like, I want to commit molestation, yeah. physical abuse. Yeah, I want to commit suicide. Right, and depressed. there's a poor 18-year-old, 15-year-old calling. Yeah, real serious, life-threatening type stuff. Right, and so juggling all that really helped train me as a professional. Um, and what also, what I got from doing that show is, because you're on in so many places, I mean, there is a lot of places where I was criticized for the job, then loved for the job. And that was- For the same thing. Right, that was a total roller coaster for that. Yeah. And that really, that show uh, got my skin more thick, I would say, if that's the way you say it, in terms of letting things like, not every comment is important. Mm -hmm. You're the worst ever, you're the best. It's just, did I do a good job is yeah. in, in my own mind that I prepare properly. So are you saying that you were just much more under the microscope because of serious content you guys were discussing? I think, so that I think you were more being because judged? of the history of the show. Got it. That's There's it. so much history. And yeah. I, Adam Carolla did it before me. Yeah, He's right. a legend in radio. No one did that legend. show better. And I didn't replace him because there was you no host replace, for six yeah. months, though. Yeah, it was you don't Drew replace Solo. Kobe. No. You don't replace Magic. You don't replace Adam Carolla. You are the next one doing your thing. Right. You can't replace a legend. You and, don't replace it. You know, and I don't, my style is different totally. from his. Every, Just like NBA, an NBA player whose number one draft pick is yeah. not going to be the same as yeah. the player he's replacing. But even if you're a legend, replacing a legend, it's still not the legend that you're replacing. You know, it's like when uh, what's when Joe Montana retires and Steve Young steps in. It's still oh, that's yeah. not Joe Montana. Yeah, but this is the next legend. Yeah, look at the way but, this guy's running right, around. Right, but everybody. so it's a very tough to stay. Even that was if you're tough. a legend, you can't step into a legend show. You just uh, can't. It, and that is a tough thing in itself, right there. Yeah, Oof. yeah, that's a it's a no win situation in that sense. But so you learned a lot that was totally different. Uh, that whole thing about mental serious. health and. Yeah. Also, the way I tick is, and I don't know, I don't know if I can 100% pinpoint it, but I mean, I really want the best for people. And yeah, when you someone do. would call in with these problems, it affected me greatly. I got to imagine, yeah. And 
So you're carrying it around with you, I imagine. I did. I carried it around with me, and I looked at the way I was living my own life many times, and I questioned, oh, man, maybe I'm doing these things in life because of these things that maybe happened to me. Yes, you started being self-aware and analyzing your your conditioning. Yeah, hold on. Sorry, sorry. I was yeah. Um, Yeah, so I started looking at my own life and why I was making certain decisions in my personal life. Mm -hmm. And that's all because of Loveline and Dr. Drew and not being afraid to speak to a professional if you have something going on in your mind or you're doing something in life that's a pattern that if you asked an outsider, is that normal? No, you're doing, why are you doing this? Yeah, I mean, that is so important. Mental health is so important and reaching out for help is so important. It's just becoming somewhat accessible and known, but that that's so important that you say that. And I think show that kind that show was so important because of that. And just in general, hearing people like you and anybody in the spotlight talk about it, because especially people that have the ear of young young audience, where the young audience isn't exposed to what mental ish health issues are, what they're dealing with, how to get help, how to reach out. That's huge. And I appreciate you mentioning that because that is so big for for our society. And you do have, knowing you personally, but even professionally and watching you, you do have a genuine concern for others. And you do have a big heart where you want to see others do well. You want to see it. So that must have been quite draining being on that show, hearing, seeing these real problems because you're an empathetic, compassionate person. So that had to be a hell of a life growing experience for sure and it was it yeah. was so anything else in your career that you want to do that you haven't done? there's things like okay i mean i know you'd like to play for the dodgers and <laughs> maybe 20 years ago you had a chance but are, are there other things you want to do in your career i mean is tv movies or is it like you just love radio and that's you can't imagine doing anything else? like let's hear about your dreams all right what would you want to do when you grow up you know i in the beginning of my career in Los Angeles, I liked doing TV, loved radio. Now I love radio and I love being on TV. Oh, so you love them both? I love it. Um, I, my fingers are crossed. I get some more TV opportunities. Yeah. Um, I just finished 115 episodes of a show. If you, anyone has Direct TV, it's called Audience Music. Yes. There's one band an episode, super in-depth interviews, and they play in between the interview. Yeah, I but love the, that. The artists really let their guard down on the show. It's called audience music. But I would like, that? that is audience music on DirecTV channel 334. Yeah. It's the same station that Dan Patrick is on. Yeah. No, uh, it's an amazing insider's look. It is. Artists. They, yeah. they know you, so they're comfortable. They drop their guard. They're talking about stuff that they don't usually talk about. Right. You bring it out of them. That's part of what you do, and you have the credibility and the experience. But Thanks, yeah, that's Steve. a very, um, that was a very cool show. You did how many episodes? I think like 115 of those. And is that, they're done with, they're done? I think it's done. You think it's done? I you would don't. say 99.99% done, but 115 is a good run. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of work, and we had everybody from, Rick Ross to Keith Urban and Corn, Melissa wow. Etheridge and Cheryl Crow to 311. Across the genre. Panic at the Disco, you name it. The Coachella yeah. Blue Oyster Cult. We Blue Oyster Cult? Yes, you got did. tickets to Blue Oyster Blue Cult. Oyster. <laughs> you got tickets to Blue Oyster Cult. Fast Times on Richmond High. Yes. I don't know if these guys even know what we're talking about. But uh, 
Wow. Well, that's, that's your little brother. He's a good-looking kid. All the different genres, it doesn't matter. It it's doesn't like what matter. moves people, right. what has a message, what yeah. has a feel or mood. It doesn't matter what genre. Right. It doesn't matter what instrument. So that's what's fabulous about But I would that. love to do more TV, but I also, I am so focused on this afternoon radio show. And there are so many choices in life. When you get in your car, the distractions are at an all-time high. Everybody already knows this. I mean, I stand in line at the deli. Two seconds in, I'm looking at in my Instagram. Instagram. So when people get in the car, if you are not doing something compelling the second they tune in, goodbye. They're gone. And so when there wasn't as much competition, you could take your time getting into subjects and I'm striker, that's Klein and do about it. Now it's like it's striker and Klein. Bam, Boom. let's get into it. Let's go. Let's grab their attention right away and hopefully keep them. That's interesting. Yeah, you're competing now with the deal or the lead. I am. I'm here with the deal, also known as the lead, lead in Hebrew. Yes. We, go backwards. <laughs> we go right to left. It's the deal and the lead. I hope buildings aren't built on the same angle as this thing hanging down. The leaning tower of the deal right yeah, there. Yeah, it's like the Pisa tower. Yes. Oh, that's pretty nice. Can we fix that, man? <laughs> I'm so sorry to cut. No, it is straight. It's we got straight a real professional here, for God's sake. We got to hang shit together. Yeah. My God. So that's so more TV. So how about that? I asked everyone this because I think it's important. Here, knowing what you know now through your career experience, what would be some advice you would give the younger striker starting out? What would you say to, to just advice, uh, things to avoid, things to look to do? Because when you start out and you're young, you you know you're totally lost. Right. Now you have this book, this long career. Looking back, what were some things you could have told yourself that could have helped? The job I have. It's not life or death if I don't do well one day. That's that's good. But at the same time, it's a quality that I think maybe people need. <laughs> yeah. Because if you could see me when I, in my mind, if I don't do well, what it's like, it's just a terrible feeling. But I would tell myself, be so serious at the job, but don't take yourself seriously. Um, Ooh, that's a good one. Be serious, but don't take yourself so serious. Yeah, I think it's okay to be youthful, but don't act like a child. That's um, good. But I, I love it. One thing, again, I don't know if it, if it's luck or if it's the way I tick, but the advice that I would give myself to do even more than I did before was stick with it as hard as you can because nothing is handed to anybody. No, nope. and so I was making 13k a year working in radio, and you were probably thrilled. I and I got a free crisscross tape. <laughs> Here you go, jump, jump, the jump, single, jump around no, but a just, backwards uh, backpack. Yeah, I don't know if I answered your question, D. Very that well great. on that. No, you nailed it. I think that's fabulous advice. Again, I love asking this because when you get people at a certain level, at the most elite levels, you start hearing the same themes. And this is very, yours is a different take on these themes, but there's some of the same themes. It's stick to itiveness. You got to have, you know, tenacity and stick and to patience. it. And patience. And patience. And know that quick. a doctor is not just handed a medical license. Yeah. A, re a great real estate agent, you can't just work one Sunday and no. expect to get you gotta great put deals. In 10 a comedian years. is not going to get a Netflix special true. because, wow, they did a Laugh Factory night. Yeah. I mean, you have to, it is. It's a 10 year is, grind for is. anything to be an expert and then maybe longer depending on what you're trying to do. But you yeah. gotta be able to put in the work, right? It's like, it, it, it doesn't matter how talented you are. Right. You gotta be able to put in the work because there's a lot of talented people and they're working and if you're not 
rising to the occasion, someone's going to pass you by. So those are really good reminders. Can I add and one you, thing about one thing I would tell things. myself? that Yeah. I would have told myself back then, no one's going to ask you in five years which parties you went to. Right. They're going to ask you, what have you been doing in your life lately? So if you think going to parties equals a great career or validation for yourself because someone let you in past a rope, that means absolutely nothing. What matters is what have you been doing with your life as a professional in your personal life and how have you been conducting your life? Yeah. And so I would go I back that. and tell myself probably that the most. Yeah. Don't worry about the parties and the fame and the BS. Focus right. on that's not validation. Yeah. Focus what on is, contributing is, and doing, being true to yourself, like you said, and right. uh, being productive and being the best you can be at your craft and giving back, helping you. Those are, these are wonderful themes that we hear a lot, and it's awesome because I know for you, you mean it and your essence because I know you that way. But uh, it's an amazing thing, especially again with your audience. I, I imagine they're younger. Um, they're older too. And I've grown, some have grown with me and it's I've incredible to you. see. I've grown with you, but here young people need to hear these things, you know, especially in this Instagram, social media, instant gratification, want right. success Life now. highlights on Instagram, yeah, there's no lowlights. Instagram know. is not my lowlights. It's yeah. not me bummed out. It's not me with anything I got spinning up here. It's not personal yeah. problems. You're not it's, posting that? It's me in the Valencia filter. I'm yeah. like, oh, that guy's all right in Valencia. Look at that lo-fi pick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anything else you want to bless us with? Oh, man. You think you got one more season left? You think if you spent eight months training, dieting, doing nothing else, going all out, <laughs> <laughs> running the sand dunes, the best trainers in the world, BP every day, long toss, massage. If you did that 12 months, I'll give you. Do you think you got a season in you? You think you could? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> See, I am. Come on. I injure myself these days sleeping. <laughs> it's not going to the Me gym. Too. It's Me sleeping. Too. I wake up like, wow, I can't believe how sore I am from sleeping. <laughs> yeah. Well, I. Me too. I get hurt. I'm hurt just turning like this. Right. Oh. I backed out of my driveway. I'm like, I my L4 S3 is out of whack now from turning like, is there a car coming? Yeah. Well, man, thank you. I love you, brother. You it too, awesome Danny. To congratulations on everything you have done. And look at you, like, you could just be working your ass off like you do, but you now you're throwing this in the mix, season two. Season two. I'm a big two. fan of everything you are thank doing. You. Congrats. Because what you do, talk about competition. Yeah, the real estate competition, especially out here, is insane That's and crazy. you are right at the top of it. So oh, kudos you. to you, man. Thank you. You are a great I'm, guy and I'm a hard rock. worker and I learned from you as well. Ugh, love it, love it. Happy uh, happy holidays, everyone. Thanks, season two, episode season one, two. right here with yes. my boy Stryker in the house. See you guys. Thanks. Hey, thank you, Stryker. We really, really awesome of you to come in on a Saturday, no Leslie. Came in early, broke it down, talked to us about what it takes to be a professional. Just such a good, good friend of mine and so happy for all the success he's had. You can always find Stryker on Instagram at Ted 
Striker. Striker spelled S-T-R-Y-K-E-R. You can also find them on K-Rock 106.7. They do 3 to 7 p.m. Monday through Friday. Striker and Klein. So tune into that. It's always fun, entertaining stuff there. But thanks, my brother. I appreciate you coming in. Thanks for tuning in to The Deal. I'm Danny Brown. I'll see you next week. I did it my way, man.